0: Everyone. Welcome back to the Latina She Served podcast with Liz Hensel. My guest today is Air Force veteran Nicole. She is the founder of the Traveling Menagerie Sanctuary and Rescue. We discuss her time in the Air Force, how being stationed in England led her to the path of opening up her own sanctuary, the difficulties she faced living overseas as a veteran, and essentially how this Philly girl ended up living in Bulgaria, now just... Functioning a and running a full-fledged rescue. Her rescue currently has 80 dogs, 28 cats, 12 horses, and 5 goats. Incredible. Her story is incredible. So I can't wait for you to listen. Don't forget to follow, like, share, and rate this podcast. If you would like to be a guest, please email me at latina that she served at gmail.com. Here you go. Enjoy this episode. Music. So today, my guest is Nicole, and she is the founder of the Traveling Menagerie Sanctuary and Rescue. And it's so funny because, uh, Nicole, you're an Air Force vet, right? I am, yes. (laughs) Yes, okay. I actually remember um, following your story on the Facebook page, Girls Love Travel, and you had posted a picture of you, and I think at the time you had eight dogs. And I followed your, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to know who this girl is. Like she loves dogs, obviously. So I remember clicking on your profile and you had a blog. So then I started following your blog. And following your adventures in Bulgaria, I believe. And I was just hooked. I was hooked on your story. I was hooked on following everything that you were going through with the dogs. And it, I mean it's it was definitely quite an adventure. And and also the fact that you're living in Bulgaria. <laughs> you know, like this is this is amazing. This woman's doing some amazing things. But it didn't start out as a sanctuary and rescue, right? It was first a vlog and then right. it evolved to something bigger because you. I mean, you're doing something incredible here for these animals, and it's not just dogs and cats. It's also like horses, and I think there was a goat
1: involved. Goats. We have goats. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. We. right. Um, we, we just we started just uh, just traveling. Honestly, it just started as us traveling. We originally had um, six dogs, five cats, and a bunny. Uh, and that's how it got started um, and it's sort of just I remember the bunny yeah yeah Sammy she was the best travel of all of them believe it or not we we miss her quite a bit um, but uh, I yeah remember. We, I remember the we, funeral yes we were stationed uh, I was stationed in England and um, when my time in the Air Force was up uh, I did not want to leave Europe just quite yet so Um, we decided that we were going to, my cousin and I were going to travel through Europe and just have some adventures, but we didn't want to leave the animals behind. Um, and so we bought a caravan and, uh, we brought them with us and we spent a couple of years traveling. We hit 28 countries. Um, and at one point I think we had up to 19 animals due to the rescuing that we did along the way, um, in the caravan with us. So that was quite the adventure. (laughs) It was quite the adventure.
0: I can imagine, so let's start uh, let's start with where are you from in the states
1: uh, I'm from the Philadelphia area of Pennsylvania and then how long were you in the air Force? uh just four years um, I left for medical reasons uh after after four years
0: what was your what was your job in the Air Force?
1: I originally joined as an Arabic linguist, um so I did two years at the Defense Language Institute in Monterey. And then, um, I transferred into contracting, which is procurements and acquisitions. I got to spend the Air Force's money.
0: <laughs> oh, I used to do that in the Marine Corps. That was fun, yeah, fun job. So, <laughs> and then you got stationed in England. yes, it is It's so much fun when you're not spending your own money <laughs> like, exactly princess, exactly you know, to cart. job. In some ways. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, and so you got stationed in England, and how was that experience?
1: Um, I loved England. Um, uh, I was really fortunate, actually, to get stationed there because um, I unfortunately started to get symptomatic with some pretty severe PTSD, and my command a- at Lake and Heath um was phenomenal, and they took really good care of me, so I was able to get the care and the treatment that I needed. Uh, thanks to that to that stationing, so um, I've always been very grateful, and uh, I loved England. I I loved it so much that I made it home for four years uh, before we decided to to hit the road and check out the rest of what Europe had to offer.
0: So I, if ever, and anyone knows me knows that I'm obsessed with England and anything like British royalty. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Ever since I was a little kid, I've just been obsessed with British royalty. I've always followed Prince William and Prince Harry. And, you know, I had like this fantasy that me and Prince Harry would bump, like, you know, on the street one day <laughs> and lock eyes and then I'd be a princess. It was the whole thing. But, you know, obviously it didn't happen. And I mean, but you know what? I love Meghan Markle, so I'm not even mad. I love following the them. Yes, she's fabulous. So I, obviously, yes, they are. And so, you know learning that you lived in England I'm a little fangirling a little bit you know because that just seems incredible and so after you got out of the Air Force what like what did you do like as far as job wise because you know obviously in America there's a plethora of jobs for veterans out here so how was that experience living overseas overseas as a veteran
1: yeah, that was um, that was really difficult. Um, I was married to another Air Force member at the time, um, which sort of helped in the fact that I didn't uh, theoretically have to support myself. And so actually, um, my ex-husband and I started a nonprofit. Um, and so my job was at that time, an executive director of a nonprofit called Pets Enriching Troops. And we actually served, um, in the end, we were serving seven bases in uh, three different countries. And we provided... Pretty much any service that you could think of that related to military pets. Um, we had programs for therapy dogs. We trained assistance dogs for veterans. We um, did dog training classes. We helped with fostering dogs uh, for you know active duty that were either moving or deploying or going to Um, We helped with moving animals. So we had a team that helped getting dogs, cats from everywhere, from Hawaii to Japan to you name it, we did it. We basically were trying to be one big organization that covered every need that you could think about. And um, I ran that for three years and it was really successful. Um, We had a really good time and I think uh, we met a really good need. And I know that your organization um, addresses some of those needs as well which is awesome it's one of the reasons that um, I follow you in return because uh, I think what you do is is really <laughs> phenomenal with no pause left behind we've I've been in that in that niche I know how important it is Um so what you guys are doing is really really awesome it's really great so I did that and then Thank I, you. Actually, I appreciate uh, that yeah yeah so then uh when I when my husband and I decided to part ways <clears throat> he returned to the States and, and I decided to stay in England. I actually returned to my original, original passion. Um, uh, my bachelor's degree is actually in horse racing, believe it or not. And I lived in the horse racing center, the epicenter of the horse racing world in England. Uh it's called Newmarket. And so I actually went back to that and uh I rode racehorses for a living for a couple of years, um, kind of at the end of my my time there. So uh I was really lucky. I was really fortunate. I did some really awesome things in England uh, and got to do, got to really serve my military community and also uh, find my roots a bit again in in the horse world, which was really great and really awesome opportunity for me. That's
0: fascinating. And I'm kind of mind blown a little bit because you're from Philly. And that's yeah. not something that you hear that you're surrounded by, you no, know, like horse, no. horse tracks, horse races.
1: I know, you know, we um, nobody knows where it came from. Uh, my family is not into horses at all. My family's not even really into animals, to be honest. And um, from the time I was a little, little tiny girl, all I ever wanted to do was train a kentucky derby winner and ride racehorses and uh i like i said i I went to college for it i worked in southern california racetracks i worked in kentucky um new jersey which has some tracks uh i did a lot in racing and then um then i joined the military kind of out of the blue uh from kentucky (laughs) so um i just wanted to experience something a little bit different serve my country uh, give a little something back so um england was a great opportunity where i got to to mix both of those things. Uh again, my military service and I was able to continue to serve the, the military community with the nonprofit, and I also was able to to go back to my roots a bit with the horse racing things. So um England was it was good to me. It was really good to me and I, I miss it every day.
0: So you've always had a passion for animals.
1: Definitely, yes, to my parents' dismay. <laughs> They're now oh, right. quite animal oriented, thanks to me. So I guess uh, they've got they've got a couple rescues. <laughs> my whole family has has managed to get drawn into the rescue the rescue community, uh, thanks to my cousin and I. So, oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. And so after
0: England, um, you what did you do? Like backpack to Europe? Like what are some of the places that you hit? What were some of the highlights?
1: um, So basically the way that it happened was uh, my cousin came uh, to England to, um, to basically help me through the divorce process. Um, He was amazing. We're, we're really close. Our families are really close. We were raised like brother and sister. Uh, So he came and he, fell in love with England and with horse racing as well. And so he stuck around for six months. And then um, his visa was running out and uh, my, uh, my visa was running out. Um, So we decided instead of going back to the States, we wanted to, to check out Europe. So we bought a caravan, packed up all the dogs, all the cats and the bunny. Uh, I had horses as well. So they got leased out to some friends for taking, you know, being taken care of while I was away. And then um, I think that first year we spent eight months on the road. And we hit, I want to say, 23 countries. Uh, we started in Denmark. We went to um, a friend's wedding there. And then we went to the Czech Republic. And from the Czech Republic, we went to Austria, where we worked with some some horses there. Then we went to Italy, Germany, Croatia. Uh, we spent six weeks in Bosnia working with horses in Bosnia. We went to Serbia, uh, we eventually ended up in Bulgaria for three months um, and we made some really phenomenal friends and we adopted or we rescued a dog who was pregnant. And uh, we ended up helping w- that year. We ended up bringing ten animals back to England with us uh, to rehome. So we started with Gabby and um, her puppies. <laughs> she had six puppies on my on my very small bed in the caravan. That was fun. And uh, then we ended up bringing ten animals back with us in addition to our own animals. Uh, we brought ten back and rehomed them. We rehomed some in Germany, some in Italy, and some in England. And they're all still very happily with their with their adopted families. Um, and that kind of is how, how everything got rolling. Um, we didn't really mean to start rescuing animals. We had plenty of our own, but, uh, we couldn't really, we couldn't really say no. And, uh, so we went back to England for six months, um, visited with my horses, uh, you know, did a little bit of work in the racing industry again, kind of built up some, some savings. And then we hit the road again. Um, and we, Hit more countries. That time we did Slovenia, Slovakia, Hungary. um, Gosh, I don't even, I can't even count them all. We were in France, Belgium, the Netherlands, um, Poland. We've been to Poland. Uh, Just pretty much everything that you can think of been to Greece. Um, And um, we ended up back in Bulgaria. And then COVID hit. And we got stuck Mm -hmm. here. Um, So that is sort of how the the rescue and sanctuary began was we got stuck here. Um, We had fallen in love with mountain life. We were only allowed to be in England six months of the year anyway. So we decided that we would settle for the other six months of the year here in Bulgaria. So we bought a house, actually bought two houses, um, got a little farm and we continued to rescue. And that was well over a year ago now. And basically, the rescue in the sanctuary has just grown and grown and grown. Uh, And we eventually (laughs) sent more horses from England down here to Bulgaria. So they've joined us. Um, We've rescued some more horses since being here. Rescued some goats. (laughs) And uh, now we have over 80 (laughs) dogs, 28 cats, I think. We're currently at 12 horses with a baby on the way, so we will very shortly be 13 and five goats. So, yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it's been a journey. It was kind of an accident, but, you know, we... uh, (laughs)
0: No, oh, I can imagine. I would too. That is like one of my dreams one day is just to have acres of land and rescue like um, or adopt the senior, senior animals and kind of just yeah. like give them their best life until it's time for them to go. You know, I even have like a little, it's going to be Harry Potter themed. So I have like I a whole thing in my awesome. head about it. So I can't wait. <laughs> I <love Harry> Potter, <laughs> I'm like, I cannot party. wait to do oh. this. <laughs> yes. My husband already has my Christmas list and it's literally all dogs. <laughs> I'm like corgi, husky.
1: <laughs> he's like, yeah. My boyfriend's like, okay. oh, no, no more dogs. We just, we just ended up with a litter of wolf dog puppies. And I was like, honey, I know you've always loved, you know, wolves. And he's like, no. <laughs> they might <laughs> go somewhere. And else. <laughs> so,
0: what is what is one of like the the hardest challenges in running a sanctuary like this?
1: Um gosh so in Bulgaria probably the biggest challenge for us is the fact that culturally um animals don't have a voice um the the mistreatment um the level of abuse and neglect uh in this country is is sadly quite profound um You know, you hear these stories of these, you know, these horror stories in the the States and and in England and, you know, in some of the, excuse me, the Western European countries. And obviously, you know, there's bad people everywhere that are that are doing bad things to animals. But but here you hear these stories every day. Um, We we get called 10, 15 times a day to come in and and rescue dogs and cats that have just been been severely severely neglected or abused um we specialize and have made a name for ourselves here as kind of the organization that you can go to if you're if you've got a, a rescue that needs a Hail Mary um we specialize in dogs that have bite histories dogs that uh oh sorry <laughs> one of the horses has mused into view of, of, of the of the dogs so we'll have a little bit of a a course in the background here um, but yeah, our, our specialty is, is dogs that are, are, in, are in true crisis. Um, we tend to let a lot of the other rescues deal with um, kind of what you could say are some of the more easier dogs, dogs that maybe uh, just haven't had as quite as, as hard of a time. And we take on the dogs that, um, that, really, that really have no other shot that will end up uh, either euthanized uh, due to aggression issues or um, that will just be left... Essentially, to fend for themselves in the wild and and that never that never goes very well um so that can be a pretty big challenge because a lot of our animals end up as as sanctuary animals, they can't be rehomed um, you know their their experiences have just been so heartbreaking um and when you when you work in rescue, obviously, your number one job is to is to try to find the best situation for the animal for the long term and a lot of ours just don't get to go on to forever homes. So, um, you know, we have that challenge where our numbers continue to grow, um, but our resources very rarely do manage to keep up. Um, and the country itself, the the government doesn't support uh, what we're doing. Um, so we kind of run into a lot of mm. a lot of that pushback. And uh, and that's true. For all of the rescues that are working here, whether they're run by foreigners like us or, or run by, you know, Bulgarians, we have lots and lots of amazing Bulgarians that are working really diligently to try to address this problem, um, uh, especially in the younger generations. Uh, generationally, obviously, the culture is changing and they're starting to to view animals as pets instead of just working uh, you know, part of kind of the working livestock genre, and uh, you know, there's a lot of work being done, but the the government is not really on board just yet. So that can be really difficult. In countries like England and the states, you you tend to have a lot of support from from higher up, and uh, and we don't have that here. So mm-hmm. so that's that's probably our number one challenge. And then just um, the other thing is obviously with COVID, it's incredibly difficult to get dogs out of the country and into new homes. Um, and so that's just kind of an ongoing an ongoing challenge transport is definitely definitely one of our big ones (laughs) I can
0: definitely relate to that with the with my nonprofit, leave no pause behind USA that is one of the things that I have to explain to service members who are PCSing from the United States to different countries is that each country has a different requirement so like we have to be patient and we have to work with that country because it's about you know, building relationships and every country has a different status of force agreement. So we have to respect that. And, you know, I kind of, you know, with the nonprofit and trying to lobby for these changes for the past two years, I kind of made myself like a subject matter expert on like the policies (laughs) (laughs) and You know, but I think, I think you, ha- you beat me. I think you have me beat though. Cause you are like hand, like boots on the groundwork. Like you are literally all over these places and, you know, making a difference for these animals. And, and anybody that knows me knows that like animals have a special place in my heart. So the fact that you are, you went above and beyond of just like, let's just, you know, Let's just, you know, have our pets. Like, no, let's actually rescue. Let's work with these difficult cases and let's try to help. And, you know, following your stories on Instagram and Facebook, they're so inspiring to me. And it just gives me hope for humanity. You know, like there's some good people out there that are working with what they have to do something better and something bigger than themselves. So I really appreciate your time to share your story on this platform.
1: Oh, thank you. We're really, you know, I... I, it's hard because Bulgaria and, and this is common in, in many of the Balkan countries, they just um, their their view of pets is just different than ours um from you know from where we're used to coming from. But as you said, actually being here in some ways, you know, you it could really get you down to think, Oh gosh, like these these horrible st- things are still happening to animals and you know and, and are, are most defenseless. But actually we find so much hope here in watching the country kind of tackle the issue and, and yes it's slow and, and yes the government is not exactly you know in our corner but so much of the country is rallying together uh, to try to to make the changes that are needed to really value animals um, and to you know to give them some some rights and and ironically Bulgaria has some of the strictest animal welfare laws In the EU, it's um, really quite impressive. The law in and of itself is really, really strict. Um, Unfortunately, they just don't have the, I guess you would say, the police force to back it up. So there's no enforcement. Mm. So the laws are there. Um, and we work like you said, having to become a subject matter expert. I don't speak any Bulgarian, or very, very, very little. All of my dogs are named in Bulgarian in an effort to learn the language, but it's very slow going. It's a very <laughs> difficult language to learn, uh, and this is from somebody who learned Arabic in two years. So you know, it's it's a tough one. Um, but uh, you know, we've I've had to become kind of that subject matter expert on on Bulgarian law um, and EU law because the two um, they don't always line up, and both of them apply in a country like this, and. Uh, it's it's been quite the challenge and quite the stretching of my my brain power I will say to try to learn how to navigate within the system here because there's a little bit of a good old boys club and when we first came we were foreigners you know we we had all these animals people thought we were crazy our local animal shelter hated us our local animal control officers were at our at our rescue almost every day, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, this is too many animals. Da, da, da. And uh, we have just sort of plugged away and plugged away. And we've educated ourselves on the laws. We've, we've done what we can to learn the language, at least surrounding what we needed to know. And uh, we have managed to forge those, um, you know, those relationships, like you were saying with the NATO agreements too, like you have to, you have to forge relationships and we've really focused on that. And we've been really fortunate, um, both the animal control officers and our animal shelter have really come around. They're now very much in our corner. We get lots of support from them. And that is really how it all starts is forging good relationships because it's going to take a team to address this issue, not just in Bulgaria, not just in the Balkan countries, but around the world, animals are suffering everywhere. And it, it takes a team and it starts in the grassroots and, and establishing the relationships and making people willing to work together and to realize that we are all working for the same, you know, the same cause that we're all in the same fight. Um, And so we've been pretty humbled by the reception that we eventually, <laughs> eventually got here. <laughs> it didn't start so hot, but we've. Um, no, Absolutely. We- absolutely. It's it's a process. And, you-
0: oh no, absolutely. It is a process and it and sometimes it gets so frustrating, you know, and it can get you down. What do you do to pull yourself out in those moments?
1: Uh well, you know, we're really lucky. We're um we're surrounded by happiness, aren't we? Really fluffy happiness. <laughs> lots of happy feels, <laughs> lots of touche. Fluffy babies. So, um when we have when we have bad days and and they happen, uh you know, we just kind of get to look out our window or in my case, look at my bed, which is always covered in dogs. And uh, you know, it's right there. It's that's the pick me up. That's really all the pick me up you need is is we've got we've got all these animals that are now healthy and happy and having a chance for their best life. And we just focus on on the good that we can do and uh and try not to let, you know, the challenges and the setbacks keep us down.
0: I love that. And what are some ways that we can follow you what you're doing in your pages? And how can we support you?
1: Uh, so we are very slowly, uh, finally expanding. Um, as I kind of said, we we sort of fell into this accidentally. So there was really no intention to have this big official sanctuary and rescue. Um, and we've been we've been playing catch up as our numbers have grown. So we just recently um, filed our five hundred c paperwork. So we are actually an official nonprofit in the United States, which is which is fabulous. It opens up some really important funding avenues for us that that we really definitely need to tap into as we've as we've grown we've grown outside my disability paycheck uh, god bless the VA right but there's only so much it can do um and and we don't this is our full-time job and that that disability from me was all that was supporting the sanctuary and rescue for the first two years so now we're um now we're an official nonprofit so we are able to look at more uh, more efficient ways of, of fundraising. So we are expanding our social media. We've always had a Facebook page. We've always had an Instagram page. We've just launched a Twitter. We've just launched a TikTok. Somebody on our team is getting ready to do a Snapchat. These are a little bit outside of my own <laughs> My own like my own knowledge. I don't have a Snapchat, I don't have a Twitter, and I don't have a TikTok. So we're sort of expanding into these areas. Um, I've not been very good at keeping up with the blog, which is really a shame, but it just uh it kind of got lost in the in the mix of um of of the actual work that we're doing, but we are hoping to relaunch the blog along with the brand new website that has uh that is just getting built right now. Um the best ways are definitely still Facebook and Instagram. Um and the biggest support that we, you know, that we can get is is really just people people following the page and, and sharing it, you know, sharing the animals that need adoptions, sharing the animals that we have here at the sanctuary that are going to need lifelong sponsorships, um, sharing our story, sharing their stories. Really, um, you know, fundraising is always is always a big part of any any nonprofit, as I'm sure you know. But for us it's more about raising you know, raising awareness about what we're doing and why we're doing it and, and just how big the need is. Because if we can raise awareness of the small little bit that we're doing in Bulgaria, that raises awareness around the world of all the animals that need help. And um, you know, people can donate to nonprofits in their own area um, that, are, that are kind of meeting the same, the same mission that we are because there's hundreds and thousands of people out there doing the exact same thing we are doing. And we're just a small drop in the bucket trying to do our part in our little corner of the world right now. So um, just give us a like, give us a follow, give us a share, adopt a dog. <laughs>
0: I, I, ha- I actually adopted a horse. <laughs> I have a horse I've adopted <laughs> and yeah, you make definitely. the adoption process so easy and you get pictures of like, I have, have pictures of my horse that I adopted and I just, you know, I just love, 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 love the work that you are doing. I am so inspired by this conversation and listening to the compassion and the genuine you know the genuine concern and passion that you have for this sanctuary and I've I've mentioned this to a couple of people before that when the intention is pure you're going to grow, you know? And that's exactly what I feel like talking to you, Nicole. Like, you know, your, your intention is so pure. Like you haven't even asked, like, you know, donate to us. You're like, donate to others. Others need help. And that's just so telling of the personality that you are. But yeah, I adopted a horse. And if you go to their Facebook page and their Instagram pages, they make it so easy. They're really good on communication. And there's definitely a couple of puppers who are, uh, up for adoption right now. And so if someone in the United States wants to adopt a dog from Bulgaria, is that even possible? Or are the logistics just a little bit more complicated?
1: It is possible. We actually just sent a dog, um, our very first dog from Bulgaria to Texas. Um, It was actually quite smooth. We have a, a transporter that we work with that does pretty much everything for you, it is on the costly side. Unfortunately, I think that for a medium sized dog, it's around $2,000, um, but uh, it, it's not impossible. And we are looking at other avenues of opening that up. Um, more than half of our newly formed nonprofit team is in the States, and we're looking at uh, other avenues to be able to get dogs um, to the States. Uh, cheaper and more easily um, because we would like to to open up that avenue of adoption. Uh, the, the the EU is quite saturated um, in, in terms of animals needing adoption and, and getting them there. So if we could sometimes send mm-hmm. some of ours to the States, we would be able to open up a whole new host of possible homes, which is something obviously that we're always looking for. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, of course, Wow, it's definitely, it's not an impossibility. Uh, we're more than happy to send them. All of our animals are ready to travel pretty much at a moment's notice other than really young puppies. They're all already, you know, pre-vaccinated, um, microchipped, passported, all of their health stuff is done. So the actual process, uh, of sending the dog to the States is not complicated at all. It's really just a matter of booking the transporter and sending the money.
0: (laughs) Wow. Well, Nicole, thank you so much again for taking the time and uh, talking about this on my podcast. I really appreciate thank you, your time. I really appreciate me. what you're doing. Yes. You. And again, uh, follow their pages and say you say the name this time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. So we're the Traveling Menagerie Sanctuary and Rescue. And uh, we are based out of Bulgaria, but um, we have worldwide reach. We have a dog going to Japan soon, actually. So.
0: Yay! Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Oh my god, Nicole, Air Force veteran and sanctuary founder for all the dogs, cats, horses, goats, you named it. Um Nicole, thank you so much for being with me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Liz. It's been so nice to talk to you, and and I love I love what you're doing with No Pause uh, Left Behind USA. So props to you as well. I love following your story, and you're having made way more success than we ever did with uh with that particular area. So go you! <laughs> oh, Thank you.
0: <laughs> the Latina She Surf Podcast has teamed up with Art Peruque a dance fitness studio located in the United Kingdom who offers virtual classes. So no matter where you are in the world, you can dance with them. They offer Peruvian folkloric dance classes that are representative of the three regions of Peru, the coast, the mountains, and the jungle. They take you on a journey through the culture and history of Peru through several detailed choreographies. I stumbled upon them during the 2020 pandemic lockdown. I have danced Peruvian folk dance since I was a teen, and through their virtual classes, I was able to reconnect with my cultural roots again. Use the code LATINASHESERVED to get 10% off their fitness packages. Go to www.LATINASHESERVED.com and search under sponsors to get the direct link to their website.